You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Welcome back to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is, of course, Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado for episode... What? 397? Can that be... Well, it must be. 397 episodes as of now. That means that we are fast approaching episode 400. And if you're familiar, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that every hundredth or hundred episodes, I go back and do a little bit of a recap on what the most popular episodes were. And also, uh, those episodes which were not terribly popular or just didn't land or didn't take off, people weren't interested. And so I'm preparing for that in the coming days, probably sometime this week. I won't likely be recording a podcast episode tomorrow because my wife and I are getting away to Idaho Springs tonight. And then, of course, we'll be coming back tomorrow afternoon sometime. But I am excited to talk with you about the last 100 episodes and some of the content that I feel like really, really did well. And uh, when I say it really did well, uh, it seems like it was interesting. It engaged people. Uh, To be honest, and for some of you who are more recent listeners and you've just picked this up in the past couple of months, uh, I'll just reiterate something I've been saying ever since I started, and that is that this podcast started first and foremost as an experiment, as an attempt uh, to basically get better at communication. I didn't feel 100% confident that I was communicating what I wanted to communicate when I wanted to communicate it. I had a pretty good confidence that when I wrote things, I was writing what I wanted to write, and I was able to convey ideas, even complicated ideas, simply enough in written format, in an engaging way, in a clear way, in a persuasive way, in an informative way. But there's a difference in the way that you communicate when you have all the time in the world to go back over your words and edit them. When you're speaking with people in real life, in live scenarios where they're right in front of you, you really don't have the same ability to edit yourself necessarily unless you are slow to speak, slow it down, and you are editing in real time and you're thinking before you speak. That's always a good idea. But if we can train ourselves to do that more quickly and also to figure out what you should be editing for, that I think that's more my point here, if we can figure out what to be editing for and what not to, we can keep from saying things that we ought not to say on the one hand, and we can also keep from keeping to ourselves things that we really ought to be sharing with the people around us. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And the second part of that makes a lot of people very wary, uh, a lot of Christians especially, as they get more uh, devout, and more austere and more mature, uh, 
sometimes I think are tempted to be uh, you know, more in line with the vow of silence crowd. I'm just going to say less. If I say less, well, then I am less likely to say something wrong, say something that's not true, say something that's hurtful or unhelpful or irreverent or whatever. But also, too, you know, if life is in the power of the tongue, well, then there's the rub, right? You can't just say nothing because there's a kind of negligence. If you were supposed to say something, you do need to respond. You know, we're so afraid of making a mistake in what we say that we just make the mistake of saying nothing. And that won't do. That just won't do. You know, imagine my wife and I take off here in a couple of hours and we head for Idaho Springs with Andrew in tow. Of course, he's coming with us. He'll be our wingman. But we take off for Idaho Springs with him in tow and we spend the entire drive to Idaho Springs in total silence. Not a word between us. Something's wrong, right? If that happens, something's wrong. Something's off. If we spend the entire drive with me talking and my wife says nothing. Something's, something's wrong. And I should be paying attention to, hey, are you doing okay? Are we, are we okay? Did I say something to offend you? Are, are you upset with me? Yeah. So also in the reverse, if she's talking and I'm just completely tight-lipped, well, what's up with that? There, there, there is some kind of an explanation and even my silence is going to communicate to her a certain sentiment besides just the fact that there's all sorts of things that I probably should be telling her and probably should be talking about with her that if I'm just not willing to because I don't like to be vulnerable, I don't like to open myself up to potential criticism or disagreement or cross-examination or I just don't want to be known or I just don't feel like it, I don't see a value in it, whatever. Whatever it may be, probably all of the above, that needs to be addressed. That has to be corrected. You know, look at the example that we have in Jesus, for instance. Jesus lived a sinless life, and that went for sins of omission and sins of commission. That's something important that I don't know how many of us really ever stop to consider. He was sinless with regards to the sins of omission and the sins of commission. But we think first the sins of commission. He didn't actively do the evil deeds. And so that is why he was sinless. No, not just. He was also sinless because he actively did do the good works. Now, the saved by grace through faith folks who definitely are in the right that we are not saved by works, I think sometimes overcompensate for the excessive value placed on works by folks who don't have a good concept of grace. You know, in other words, we don't save ourselves by works and therefore we're going to be allergic to any talk of works whatsoever. You start talking about good works and it's a slippery slope and therefore we're going to cut you off. We're going to, you know, turn off your mic, <laughs> we're going to interrupt you, we're going to, you know, whoa, 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 wait, 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 did you just say works? No, 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 it's not by works, lest any man should boast. Yes, good, very good, you get a cookie, but it's not 
just not by works. God wants us to do good works. Let your light so shine before all men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So also, too, I think with the speaking thing, you know, Jesus did good works, but he also taught true and good things, and he built up his disciples. He trained them in the way that they should go so that when they were older, they wouldn't depart from it. He told them things that were true that they needed to know, and he told them things to do that they needed to do. And as a parent, for instance, I just can't imagine a scenario in which I wouldn't talk at all to or with my children. Now, sometimes, now here's a Here's an admission. This is a confession. This is not Garrett up on a pedestal. This is Garrett just uh, leveling with you. Sometimes I think as a father, I get a little bit too caught up in telling my children what we need to be doing. And I don't take enough time to sit down and talk with them about how they're doing. But imagine if I did none of the above. I don't talk with my kids about what they're doing. I don't talk with them about how they're doing. I don't talk with them about where they're going. I don't talk with them about the relationships that they have with one another or their mother or me or other people. I don't talk with them about their relationship with their maker. I don't teach them anything. I don't correct them. You wouldn't say that I was a good father. You wouldn't say that I was loving them well. If I had every ability but I just didn't want to. I just didn't feel like it. I didn't see the value in it. I skipped out on that part. That would not be bueno. So we have to. We have to be speaking. We have to be communicating. And this podcast has been, I think, a a great opportunity for me to learn how to do that better. Now, I say better, but then what does that mean? Does better mean that everybody always loves what I have to say now. There's never any trouble. There's never any offense. There's never any friction. Well, no. And again, I would direct your attention to Jesus because it didn't mean it for Jesus. That doesn't mean that every time you or I offend somebody, we're being just like Jesus. We might be wicked. (laughs) He wasn't. But also too, others being offended by what we say is not a reliable standard, uh, especially these days where if you say something as uh, controversial as that there are two genders, boy, girl, male, female, man, woman, about half the country will be very offended. I just made up that number. I don't know. I don't know if it's half the number. We're at least made to believe that it's half the country. The actual number is probably far, far less. But see, that's also my point. When only the side pushing for a radical abolition of gender is allowed to speak, but the folks who have some sense still at least know much. I I may not be a smart man, but I do know what love is. I may not be a smart man, Forrest Gump says, But I do know that there are only two genders. I may not be a smart man, but I do know that a fetus is a human being. So if the one side 
is the only side allowed to say anything about it. And then our side is not allowed to say anything or just chooses not to for fear or because some will get very worked up and get very offended at being told that there are boundaries in reality that they must respect and observe. Well, then it's going to go one way and we will not be fulfilling our responsibilities. We, we just won't be. You know, imagine in the case of a bank heist, you have the robbers come in and they do their thing and they walk out the front door with 10 bags of cash, jump into the getaway car and they race off. Are they guilty of having committed a crime, doing a bad thing? Yep. And what if you find out that that bank was full of security guards who refused to engage the bank robbers. They could have. And in fact, the bank robbers knew that they wouldn't. And that's why they chose this bank at this time, on this day, because they knew that the bank security was going to just stand down. You know, we were talking yesterday after church about our need to take care of our chores around the house. And usually weekends are especially busy times with church and whatnot, especially on Sunday. Saturday night is movie night, family movie night, and also homemade pizza night. So homemade pizza goes well with movies. This particular Saturday was John's birthday. And then Sunday we have church and then we come home in the afternoon from church and we've got a graduation party that the older boys and Lauren went to uh, coming up. And so I'm talking with everybody about, hey, here are our chores and here's the perspective that we need to have towards our chores. We got to take care of our responsibilities here. Sweeping, mopping, wiping things down, putting things away, not leaving our socks and shoes in the middle of the floor. Why are these here? And it's funny. I had just on Saturday been talking about World War II. I was trying to explain just a high-level overview of World War II what led up to it, how it went down, and we didn't get quite all the way to the conclusion. We almost got there and then ended up having to pause because it was getting late and we had a cake to eat. But I was explaining that actually, you know, Hitler and the Nazis, for one, they fed off of a certain moment in history, a certain mood, a war weariness from World War One that caused those who would have been in a position to stop them, both inside Germany and outside Germany, to be paralyzed. And that's part of how Hitler and the Nazis came to power. That's part of how they were able to steamroll Germany's neighbors. And in the end, it ended up being a far deadlier, far costlier war because those who were in a position to do something at the beginning refused to do what they could. So then Hitler builds momentum and builds and builds and builds momentum. And if they would have pushed him back across the Rhineland, back into Germany, when he sent troops initially, the German high command was prepared to depose Hitler. But because his little military expedition succeeded, Hitler was more popular than ever with the German people who were tired of their country being humiliated through the Weimar Republic, the Treaty of Versailles, the close of World War I, etc. And so yesterday I'm explaining about chores 
right? I'm talking about cleaning up spilled coffee. If we're you know walking across the dining room with some coffee and we accidentally spill some, we need to stop everything and wipe that up and not let it dry and not move along. And uh, you know it's never going to get any easier, is what I said. It's never. It will never be easier to wipe up that coffee than when you first spill it. And so my oldest son, Josiah, very insightful, he raises his hand. He says, so what you're telling me is basically it's like World War II. And I said, yes, that's right. That's right. (laughs) That's exactly right. This coffee stain on the floor is literally Hitler. If the Democrats could do it with uh, Trump and Republicans for all these past five, six years, Surely, I can do it with a coffee stain on the floor. Surely. But no, I mean, that's that's the thing, right? Not everything needs to be Hitler, obviously, but you, you take my meaning. You know, we can say something proactively. We can do something proactively, which in the long run, in the grand scheme of things, helps to mitigate a lot of misunderstanding and to clear things up and to give a cohesive vision. We can do that. And we should do that, especially if we're in a position of authority where we're supposed to be directing. You know, as a husband, I have a responsibility. I don't just have authority. I also have a responsibility with that authority to be communicating what my wife needs to hear from me. For instance, I love you. For instance, you look lovely today. I like your hair like that. Hey, this is really delicious. Thank you very much for taking care of picking up X, Y, and Z medicine for me from the pharmacy or whatever. Hey, thank you for taking the kids, taking the boys to the uh, graduation party. You know, there's certain things that she needs to hear from me. Hey, just so you know, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I've got planned. Here's what I've got coming up. So I'm going to need to spend some time getting ready for that. My children need to hear me communicating. Hey, you did a really good job there. Hey, what you're working on? Hey, what are you reading here lately? I'm concerned that maybe you're not reading enough or at all in your free time. Hey, your room needs tidied up. You know, so on and so forth. There are conversations that need to happen besides that too, though. Besides just between me and my wife or me and my children, We have to be able to communicate with one another within the church, within our community, in the workplace, in our extended families, with our friends. We have to be able to communicate what people need to know. A couple of uh, important, helpful questions to guide your uh, decision-making when you're trying to figure out whether you should say something or not. First question. What do I know? You can't tell it if you don't know it. And don't go making stuff up unless you're being above board with everybody that this is fiction. This is a work of fiction. What do I know? First question. And if you don't know it, you suspect it, you know that you don't know it, and you know that you suspect it, well then, what do you need to do to know it more fully? Or can you at least say, I know I suspect this, Second question, who else needs to know? Hey, I'm suspecting X, Y, and Z. I'm thinking 
X, Y, and Z. I'm planning X, Y, and Z. I know this, and because it affects this person, they need to know. So who who all is going to be affected by this? Who all could potentially be blindsided and feel frustrated if they didn't hear this sooner? Who needs to know? What do I know? Who else needs to know? Third question, have I told them? <laughs> so there's so many conversations, especially with Lauren. I am more of a hard charger and I have gradually gotten better at pulling back, thinking a little harder before I engage with someone. I hope I'm not overcompensating. I might be overcompensating as I get older and tireder. But usually if I'm having a conversation with her, it's in the other direction where I'm saying, well, hey, I think you should talk with this person. Actually, I think you should seek them out. And for anybody who knows us, who's had one of those conversations with Lauren where she's like, hey, I need to talk with you. Like the other day, you did X, Y, and Z, and uh, I was kind of offended by that. Or here's how that affected me. Or I'm just curious, what's the explanation? What's going on with this? Because it kind of looked a certain way, but I want to make sure I've got all the information before I go jumping to conclusions. If you've had a conversation with my wife like that, uh, I contributed to that greatly. So if you're upset, if you if you get upset and you feel like it's somewhat out of character for Lauren, let me just tell you, it, that's me. That's me. I mean, she did it, right? Like she she came and talked with you. I'm not trying to either take credit or blame if she came and talked with you and you were surprised. But that's the big question, right? That's always the big question when she tells me that she's not quite sure how to take something that was said or done the other day. She'll be telling me this, and I'm studying my wife, and I'm trying to pay attention to say, okay, you know, how much is this bothering you? I'm trying to listen to the details. How important is this? Is it possible you're being oversensitive or you were just having a hard day that day and it struck you wrong? Is there a plausible explanation that if that turns out to be the case, it would do more harm than good to go talk with this person? Is it something that you can just watch for to see if this becomes a pattern? Then you talk with the person. Or is this really, really bothering you and it's going to negatively affect your relationship with this person until you address it? And if I think that something is in that last category, I will tell her, I think you should talk with them. I think you should. And so then, very often, she will. Uh, to her credit, very often she will. You know, my thought process is, okay, you're coming to me as your husband, and you're confiding in me, and I'm going to try and help you think through this, and I know what you know now, and I know who else might need to know, and you haven't told them. So that's the next question you've got to answer is, have I told them? What do I know? Who else needs to know? Have I told them? And invariably, too, she will talk with someone, and then she'll come back to me, and I'll ask her, so how did it go? And so she will tell me. And sometimes those conversations go very, very well, and sometimes those conversations do not go quite so well the first try, and maybe they need a second try, or maybe you just accept that, like, okay, well, 
you gave it your best shot and they don't want to talk. So can't really force them, but you can have a good conscience. So that's good. But that leads into the last question. Do they understand what I've told them? What do I know? Who else needs to know? Have I told them? Do they understand what I've told them? And on that last point, I mean, that can trip us up in the first three questions where we answered the first three questions or we gave the answers that we thought were correct for the first three questions, but actually we knew some things that just weren't so, for one. You know, we answered the question of what do I know? Some of our answers were, it just turned out to be not true. And then we answer the second question. Suppose we know something that's true, and then we answer that second question of who else needs to know. And it turns out they actually didn't need to know. And by that, what I mean is either that it was kind of none of their business, sort of, or we could have just passed over it without comment, or they didn't want to hear it. They didn't welcome it. Maybe we could have anticipated that. Maybe, maybe not on the front end. You know, so so then there's that question of, do they understand what I've told them? And that all that also can get to all of the first three questions having been answered correctly, but us not having explained it very well for one or more reasons. We got interrupted, something came up, we left out important details because we forgot those details, or we were afraid to include them. So you have to double check. I do this with our kids, not often enough, but I need to more and more, especially the more kids there are, the more moving pieces our house has, where I'll tell them something. And I, I'm pretty good about it if I am watching their eyes and their body language, and I get the distinct impression that they are not listening to me at all. But sometimes even when they appear to be listening, I need to double check. Like, okay, so what did I just say? Does that make sense? We good? Are we clear? Repeat back to me what we're going to be working on here. Do you guys understand the scope or the direction, the vision? And if they don't, well then, okay, maybe I was using unfamiliar terms. Maybe I need to unpack it more. Maybe I need to simplify my language. Maybe I need to simplify the equation. Too much detail. High level. Here's what we need to do. Boil it down. Break it down. But all of the above, I mean, all of the above, I'm hoping I have gotten better at with this podcast in almost 400 episodes because I do believe that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Sometimes when I listen back through an episode, I realize that I am getting better at communicating life-giving things. And that is a happy realization. That's what I want. I think that's what the good Lord wants. I think that's why he gave us the ability to speak. (laughs) I think it was not for no purpose. Life-giving, honorable, praiseworthy, true, worshipful things should be coming out of our mouths. So sometimes I catch that in this podcast. Sometimes it's like looking in a mirror and I I realize all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wow, I just said that. That was kind of ugly. That needs some work. That needs cleaned up. That needs addressed. I'm probably saying 
that sort of a thing or speaking in that kind of a tone or with that kind of an attitude in my interactions with people in real life. And I need to work on that. But in the time we've got left, and this is going to be a shorter episode, it doesn't need to be an hour long every episode. I've been getting into more hour long episodes here lately, but I'm going to try and scale those back, get more concise and more disciplined. My wife has fallen behind in uh, her listens in part because the episodes have gotten longer and that is on me. That's, that's my bad. But, you know, an interesting thing, I, I was just kind of looking through the categories on the com because if you scroll all the way to the bottom of the page there, I mean, for one, there's a stay in touch where you can enter your email address. You can sign up to get new episodes uh, emailed to you when I publish them. But also, too, there's this little uh, drop down under the heading categories. And you can click, and it says select category, and then it'll expand this list. And I'm, I'm kind of fascinated, honestly, by how many are in which categories. Like Some of these categories are pretty well-sized or pretty ample. And some of these categories are very sparse. And I think, you know, maybe... I should uh, record some more content in those categories, in those subjects. I'm seeing some gaps, maybe. And obviously, too, I mean, there's probably more content besides in some of these smaller categories that I could have put in those categories. Maybe it's worth taking a look back through, making sure everything's organized properly. But some of the biggest categories are politics at 136. I talk a lot about politics. Here lately, I've been taking a little bit of a break, but I talk a lot about politics on this podcast because politics is just the business of the polis. It's just the business of the city. That's all it is. Politics is how we make decisions together about the direction that we want to go. So that's an important thing. It is an important aspect of loving our neighbor. You can't neglect politics. You just can't. And you can't just say, well, I don't like how upset people get over politics. So I'm just going to stay out of it. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So politics, 136. I think the next biggest category is theology at 95. And this can be difficult, especially when I talk about everything, and I do include references to the scriptures in most every podcast, in most every episode. It can be difficult sometimes to know, okay, should I put this in the theology? Should I put this in politics? Does this need to go in a different category? I should experiment a little bit, too, with organizing things under subcategories. Hey, here's a broad category. And what other smaller subcategories can I put into that broader category that would help this to be more balanced, more easily navigatable? For instance, family. Hmm, I could put marriage and parenting under family, and that would make sense. For instance, 
I don't have a whole lot that are completely uncategorized. Uh, 27, I suppose. I could go back through those and see if those would uh, fit into some of these others. But the lightest categories include, for one, environment with just two episodes. Only two. That can't be right, but that's what it is. Just two. Music at three. And I think it actually would be really fun to do more podcast episodes about music, talking through music. Music is just uh, it's, a, it's just a fun, beautiful part of life, and I, it would be it would be fun. It would be enjoyable. That is to say, too, though, that fun is uh, one of the lighter categories as well. Just six episodes that I've at least got organized that way. Probably far more. Uh, if I really thought about it, but justice also only six, only six episodes in the justice category. I think that can't be right. Also communication eight, but see, that's the, that's the thing. You know, if I'm trying to touch on all of these in every episode to some extent or another, just maybe briefly and then The main subject is still X, Y, and Z. You know, even though we could be talking about all of the above, the proportions and the main attraction uh, are important. And so sometimes maybe music needs to be the main topic and maybe politics takes a backseat. Yeah, we're still going to include just a little brief mention of politics, but maybe music needs to be the main subject today. Or, hey, yeah, you know what? We're going to talk about theology but specifically, we're going to talk about a theology of how do we relate to our environment? How do we relate to stewarding our environment, for example? So stay tuned. I'm going to try and refine this better because, you know, that's a, a benefit that I can glean and you can glean. If I want to talk about everything, well, then there needs to be a balance. And if it's all politics or it's all theology, strictly speaking, or it's all books. Books is another big category. I like reading books. I like big books, and I cannot lie. Uh, (laughs) 65, actually. There are 65 episodes in the category of books thus far. You know, it can't all be books. How about some music? It's a 10 to 1 ratio, or 20 to 1 ratio, rather of uh, book episodes to music episodes. How about let's go back through and let's do some reviews of some of my favorite albums and why. That could be fun. That could be a lot of fun. Or some of my favorite artists. That could be a good time. But the big idea, again, is to be the whole person. To be someone with a heart and a soul and a mind and a body, and to not look at any one of those aspects of our being as being inherently irredeemable. You know, when God makes us new again, we will be a whole person in every aspect. Physically, our bodies will work like they were supposed to from the beginning. We won't have disease, ailments, handicaps. Our bodies will work like they were supposed to. Those of us with health problems... That sounds 
fantastic. It sounds phenomenal. Our minds will work like they were supposed to. We won't be slipping cogs because we were so stressed out or so anxious or so fearful or so depressed or not getting enough sleep or not getting the proper balance of nutrients or again because there's a little bit of a complicated relationship sometimes between our physical body and our minds our emotional state also you know maybe we had a physical ailment something genetically that was off that needed to be on or that was on that needed to be off well that's going to be cleared up that won't be an issue anymore when god remakes us he's going to remake the heavens and the earth and he's going to also remake us but the way that we would have been without the fall you know emotionally we won't have these struggles with whether we should be feeling the way that we're feeling hey i'm angry at this situation should i be angry i don't know lord please forgive me well maybe you should have been angry but you're not sure or maybe you shouldn't have been angry but you're not sure. That won't be a factor when we're remade correctly. Hey, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling negative. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling anxious. I don't know why. Lord, please take it away. The answers in God are always yes and amen. But I think we have to realize that the timing of that may be in eternity. Isn't that a crazy thought? Have you ever thought to yourself, some of what you pray for, some of what you ask God for, you know, maybe it is his good pleasure to give that gift to you in eternity. Wouldn't that be wild? Some of these good gifts that you've asked for, you know, and the scriptures tell us God is a good father who gives good gifts to his children. We ask for a fish. He is not an evil father who gives us a snake instead. We ask him for some bread. He doesn't give us a stone instead. He gives good gifts. But maybe, just maybe, this life is like Joseph being sold into slavery, then thrown in prison, almost murdered by his own brothers. Maybe this life is like that. And for many of us, the prayers we pray are fulfilled in the hereafter when Christ returns or calls us home. Maybe, just maybe. And then we become the whole person spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, in all ways, as God intended from the beginning. Like we're being set free. Like instead of being a slave to the brokenness of this creation, which we still live in and which still lives in us, we're set free. And not only set free, but put in a position of authority. And that's one of the things I personally, as interested in politics as I am, I'm fascinated by with what I perhaps understand, maybe understand about end times prophecy. The saints are going to rule and reign with Christ. How about that? That sounds awesome. That sounds great. That sounds like a therapy. I mean, it's not, (laughs) you know, I think to yourself, about all of the bad bosses you've had, all of the capricious, cruel, ambivalent, apathetic politicians we've had, dishonest, lying, corrupt, malicious, maybe even murderous, 
according to rumors, for some of them. And now imagine those in authority being actually trustworthy. How beautiful would that be? How good for the soul would that be? And yet that's what we're looking forward to. Maybe not in November. (laughs) Maybe not in two years. No. But someday, in God's good time, you can take it to the bank. And God's authority will not be corrupt. It can't be. And his saints, who he perfects, will not be. Now, we're not there yet. So you put a Christian in office and don't go thinking that everything they do and say is always going to be right and correct. They still have a sinful nature to contend with, even if they do genuinely love the Lord and they're not just pretending to get your vote. But when God makes us perfect, you will have nothing to worry about. You know, that actually, I think, brings up kind of an interesting question, too. How many people suppose that there will be authority in eternity, humanly speaking? Yes, God will always have his authority. But humanly speaking, God makes a new heavens and a new earth. Will there still be authority? Can we even imagine? I don't know that we can. But boy, howdy, I'd like to try. And I'd like to see it. Authority is not a bad, awful, evil thing just because it's so often abused. Authority is a good, God-given order of creation. God is a God of order, not a God of disorder, not a God of chaos. So, in closing, my wife and I are going to finish getting ready. I need to pack, honestly, and get a shower, put on some clean clothes, and then we're going to load up, make sure that things are ready for Kate and Maggie Bergman, who are going to come over and hang out with the kids. God bless Kate Bergman. Kate, you are just a wonderful person. And Luke. Luke, you're a wonderful person too. And Maggie and Ben. God bless Rolf. (laughs) But we're going to go. We're going to go to the mountains. We're going to get away for an evening. And we're going to have conversation on the way there. And we're going to have conversation and food while we're there. And maybe just maybe we'll find a used bookstore because we like books. We really like books. We like big books and we don't always have room for more, but we will make room. But we're going to have conversation. We're going to talk. We're going to communicate with one another. We're going to coordinate. We're going to build one another up, encourage one another. We're going to love one another with the time that we have in a way that pleases our maker, in a way that honors his plans and purposes. So I'm going to run. I'm going to leave it there. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.